fourth watch starts now. to the fourth watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight we're going to be pulling some information from a private vault. The information will be coming directly from a very special guest with years of high security clearance and much to say in regards to the New World Order takeover. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I call this episode New World Order Archives, Volume 1, with special guest Al Cuppet. We see so much information at our fingertips about the New World Order, and it often becomes overwhelming. It can also become a challenge to know what exactly is accurate and what's not. So many sources will provide a little bit of truth with a lot of conspiracy theories. While conspiracy theories can be fun and even entertaining, We want to start a new series to kick off the new year that will be spotlighting a highly decorated Joint Chief of Staff who's now retired. The best way to validate this type of information is to go directly to the source. And tonight, we will be talking to a valuable source who was inside the camp as the New World Order began to slowly emerge into the system. His accounts and stories will be fascinating and bittersweet for some while for others, it will provide further confirmation of their research. Let's go ahead and go to the line with Al Cuppet. Brother Al, hello and welcome to the Fourth Watch. How are you doing tonight? Well, brother, I tell folks I'll probably live to midnight, and that, that beats the alternative for a whole lot of people. Amen. <laughs> now, Brother Al, you have got a history, a personal life history, that most people will never even be able to read in books. That's true. That's absolutely, uh, I, yes, that's right. I'll make no apology. Uh, the Lord spoke to me way back in 92 and said, Call upon me and I shall answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. It came right out of the King James Bible. The thing will talk to you. That book will talk to you. And I said, Well, gee, that's really neat, Lord. And he said, Son, I didn't say pleasant things, maybe, huh? First of all, I served three years in Italy, a year in Korea. Three years in Hawaii, 15 months in Vietnam, three years in Germany, two years in Greece. I've got about uh, five months in Turkey, five weeks in Spain. I've been in 34 countries in 31 years. And I have 19 years joint military service, that is with Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines in those those 31 years, 19 years. That's probably a record. I lived 15 years, almost 15 years overseas outside of the contiguous United States. I was a command and control communications intelligence inspector for the Joint Chiefs. I was not a general. I was not a colonel, folks. The chairman and the four service chiefs are four-star generals. Action officers and intelligence inspectors are the guys who do all the work. An action officer can be a major, lieutenant, colonel, sometimes a captain, very seldom, though, and... uh they are the ones who do all the work. And I carried a field-grade officer-grade Geneva Convention card, and I was a GM-14, which is commensurate with a lieutenant colonel. And I went overseas many, many times in uniform as a civilian. Got the Secretary of Defense Civilian Service Medal when I retired, Joint Meritorious Unit Award. Dick Cheney signed my retirement certificate. Purple Heart, Bronze Star in Vietnam, and all the other medals they throw in for 21 years service. And that's a lot of medals. Well, it's not, I'm, the medals don't mean a thing, brother. You know that because what I've learned and what I'm telling you folks out there now is important. And like the one producer said, I want you to tell him you've been there and done that. Well, I've been there and done that. And I know what I'm talking about. I know whereof I speak. And for you listening tonight, to if you don't heed what I'm telling you, you do to the peril of your own soul, and yea, you could do it to the peril of your own eternity before this series of programs runs out, if you don't understand and, and listen and pay attention. Over. Amen. And it's an honor to have you on the Fourth Watch radio broadcast. This is one of those shows, folks, that we're going to be, we're starting a series, 
called the New World Order Archives. And we're literally going to be pulling out firsthand information about the New World Order. And we're going to be talking about things that you probably haven't really heard much about. You've heard some of them, but not to the degree that Brother Al has experienced. So just to get us started here, one of the things that I heard you talk about years ago is the United Nations and their influence on the New World Order in America. They have an agenda for America. Basically what happened, uh, I had a chance to see some plans that were, uh, you, you might say, uh, well, let's see, they, they, were, they, were, they were written by uh, non-governmental organizations, okay? And these non-governmental organizations was the World Parliament of Parliamentarians back in 52. And their stuff, they cannot hide this stuff. It can't be hidden completely. You know, like Lincoln said, you can fool some of the people all the time, all people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. So you can't keep this stuff hidden all the time from everybody. And I just happened to have served in enough places, and the, my memory was more so than I'd ever believed. I didn't know. I just thought everybody had a memory like I did. And I thought they could remember all the stuff that I remember. But they can't. People can't, and I didn't know that. And uh, when I start rattling this stuff off, they they just say, "Man, you just dream, you just you just dreaming that stuff up." As you go, no, 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 I'm not dreaming it up as I go. I've got it. I've got it cataloged in the back of my head, you know. And I saw the plan to send our forces overseas at some point and send their forces here. Well, nine one one sent our guys to 180 countries. We've been deployed in 180 countries since. September 11th, 2001, and the foreign forces are here, and I can we've documented it. They've been stopped by, by the state troopers. They've been stopped by county deputies. They cannot be hidden. They are not uh, transparent. They're on the roads out there. They try to be transparent so you can't see them, but they're not. They're out there, and I figured this thing out back in 92, and then I saw it come to fruition starting in 94, and I, I saw it start to happen. I went to a Mennonite uh, church. They invited me to the Mennonite church to hear a guy speak on the New World Order theology, which comes out of Daniel and, and the Nebuchadnezzar statue in the four kingdoms. And there were four kingdoms then. There's four kingdoms now. The Fourth Reich is, is rising now. There was first, second, third, and now the Fourth Reich. And as the man was speaking, I punched the guy who invited me, and I said, hey, I'm the guy that told those three Mennonite sisters that he mentioned up there that with those coverings they wear on their head, they're going to be the first ones picked up by the New World Order. So when the service is over, I said, you guys want to see some pictures? And I only had a few pictures back in November of 94. I had a picture of some black helicopters, and I had a picture of some regional police. And I said, here, here, folks is some evidence. And while I was talking, this one fellow whose first name was Noah, and I got his last name, but I won't mention it. He said, wait a minute, you talk about black helicopters. He said, you know, he said, uh, I was coming up 29 in, in April, and he said, I saw this chopper take off from right near the gas station, and I pulled in to get gas. And this guy says to me, he says, hey, did you, did you see that chopper? And the guy was scared, you know, and he says, uh, yeah, I saw it leave. You, you didn't see what it did. He said, no, I didn't see what it did. What did it do? He said, that thing came down over there. And he said, about 10 little guys jumped out of it in black masks. And they had guns. And he said, they made a circle around that helicopter and went, butter, 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 butter. And he said, uh, he said after about 10 minutes, he said, that thing took off. And their, their whistle blew, and they all jumped on the helicopter and took off. And I said, a whistle blew? He said, yeah. I said, man. And I said, we don't use whistles in the military. We use hand signals. We use watches. And we use, we use radios to coordinate movements. We don't use bugles anymore. We don't use whistles. That bugles was for the cavalry way back. And that vision, actually, that helicopter coming down was seen in a vision by a friend of mine in 1993, the year before. He had four visions, and that was one of them, and that's the one, one of the two that have come to Two, two of two have come. Two of the four have come to pass already. But that chopper, when that when that whistle was blown, those guys were not Americans. They had masks on, uh, balaclavas, I think you call it, and they deep redeployed on that chopper. Those are either Chinese or Gurkhas or North Koreans. They use whistles. 
So they, that's just one of the, that's just one part of it there, brother. When you mentioned the, the foreign forces being at work already here, being pulled over by, by the state troopers, you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned about certain, certain towns in the past where there will be a, a police car driving around with a strange name on it. And yeah, that, right. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Okay. Let's talk about Brenda down in, in uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. She told me I could use her first and last name. I won't use her last name. I'll use her first name. Uh, trust, I trust that she's been protected by the Lord because that's why I'm not going to use her last name. But even under Reagan, George Bush was running the shadow government. And uh, she, she and these six other gals went out to an abortion clinic, and they're going to pray. Now, folks, you don't go out to abortion clinics. You pray in your closet. You fast and pray. You get a prayer chain going. You get a fasting chain going. People fasting and praying around the clock for a certain certain thing, and that's how the Lord defeats the enemy. You don't do it by paint, by going out there and, and, and you know demonstrating in front of an abortion clinic. And uh, you pray against the abortion clinic in the spirit, and the spirit realm defeats the enemy in the spirit realm. And while they were out there, the Red Dog Strike Force, it was called, came out of, a, out of Atlanta. And they had red berets on, and they had black masks, and they had guns. And those seven women, those guys jerked 14 shoulders out of place on those seven women. Now, we can go through all the rest of it, but the bottom line was, she told me, she says, Al, when those guys were off in a corner by themselves, they spoke a foreign language. And this was in 1988. This was the first record we had of foreign forces in the country. So that's just, that's the first incident that I know of, okay? Hmm. I've learned about that later, but I saw a regional police car in 1994 in York, Pennsylvania, and I took a picture of it in January. I just happened to have to go buy a stove door for a stove, and the manufacturer had moved up to Pennsylvania, had to drive up there. And I put it on the videos. It's on my videos. It's on the website. You go see the videos. You'll see the regional police car. And I spoke to a guy one day at a, at a show I was at, and he said, where'd you get that picture? I said, I took it to York, Pennsylvania. He said, that's a nasty cop. Said, Them guys are bad. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I was riding on a bus to Texas to a speaking engagement. And this lady said, where'd you get that? I said, in York, Pennsylvania. She said, I live there. She said, that's a nasty cop. They push people around. And uh, so I got two witnesses to these guys. You know, they're not nice. So that's, 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 the, first, that's the first couple of, of pieces of evidence that I had. But these are called intelligence indicators. These people are not going to give you a signed affidavit what they're doing. You have to have some knowledge, and you have to have, be able to figure it out by professional deduction, or the Holy Ghost has got to show you. And that's been the case. One of the things that just really it blows my mind is that I've heard about the military bases. Basically, they're, they're telling people they're retiring them, they're shutting them down. Now, you've mentioned in the past more than one use of these retired military bases. They have BRAC, that's the BRAC is the base reduction. And they shut down a military base, and the people see the GIs all leave. The Pentagon, they have a property book of all the property on that base. The property is shipped out, the base is closed down, and the Pentagon writes it off. But the civilians who live there say, there's there's guys operating on that base. There's guys in there with uniforms going in and out. Who are they? You know, that's, that's, that's happened all over the country. And most civilians don't understand. They see a military uniform. They say, oh, that must be a GI. Well, they don't, it's not a GI. There's lots of foreigners here, and they just are ignorant of what's going on. And they just assume that, uh, that, that that's our guys. The word military does not mean American guys necessarily. A military uniform does not necessarily contain a U.S. born and raised individual. That's the problem. We had a Chinese guy just come out of a restaurant, uh, the store up here, little tiny town, and uh, he had a full camo on. He was Mongoloid, Mongol looking, and the uh, store well, he's from Northern Virginia. I said, what's he doing down here in that Chinese communist uniform, full camo uniform? What's he doing down here? That was the latest I've seen. That's the latest of 
many, 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 many sightings. Another example, in the tech state of Texas, there are no state police. It's the Texas Rangers and the Department of Highway Safety troopers. Well, I got a friend of mine in Mesquite, Texas. He's at the Starbucks, and he sees four big guys wearing black uniforms with state police on the back. Hey, what are you guys doing here with them state police uniforms on? They didn't say nothing. They had guns. And he, he says, hey, I ask you, what are you doing here? And they got up and hopped in a big white Chrysler van that you paid for, folks, taxpayers. They jumped in a white Chrysler van and took off. And when you run the plates on them, the plates come up. If you know a sheriff who can run the plate, they come up unissued. But they had been issued, but they come up to the sheriff's computer unissued. And that's the kind of stuff that's going on. And that's the church is in dangerous trouble right now because they're doing peace, joy, and love. Hallelujah, Jesus. And they don't know they're going to be, what's going to happen, brother, is the pastor's going to get a knock on the door. Well, it, actually, the, the, the SS and the Nazis did knock on the door. Uh, but these guys don't knock on the door. They come through with a battering ram and a flash grenade, okay, a stun grenade. They're going to take the pastor on a Friday night or a Saturday night, haul him off. Next morning at the church, the people are going to come out and say, where's the pastor? Hey, where's the pastor? The door's not. Well, somebody unlock the door. About that time, some buses and black vans and trucks will pull up and say, he never had a pastor. Is. Get in the truck. Get in the bus. They'll take you to the pastor. And that's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. So that's, I mean, I can rattle off on these police. I can talk. I'm, I don't have my papers in front of me. I'm doing this by memory. In 1994, I heard a broadcast that said that Bill Clinton had imported 700,000 Makarov pistols. Well, they're 9 millimeter by 18, at the, paper, the, the, the paper said later on. And that means the cartridge is 18 millimeters long. And I'm not into guns. I just know about military stuff. But uh, I said, wow, that'll be the sidearms for the U.N. peacekeepers, 700,000 Makarov Russian pistols. Maybe we'll, see them in, maybe we'll see the importation or maybe we'll see the arrival of these pistols if we keep our eyes open. Sure enough, in the 21st day of uh, December of the same year, just a week later, there was a drop of 124, which landed at Bridgestone Arsenal. It was too big to land at Bridgestone. It had to land at Huntsville. And it... The paper blurb come out, the Associated Press, there was a Soviet 124 landed, and it, well, it wasn't one item, it was, you know, it's a secret, we're not telling you what it is. Well, that was the pistols. That was part of the pistol shipment. This is called intelligence indicators. You have to ferret this stuff out. And so, when I'm speaking four years later on the Prophecy Club tour in Denver, a cop walks up to me on the break and says, hey, Al, we got a problem out here. I says, yeah, what is it? He says, black uniformed cops out here and drive big old black GMC SUVs. They got honorary pro-counsel on their tag, a diplomatic plate. Well, folks, if you look up the word pro-counsel in the dictionary, you're going to find out that the pro-counsel is a bad dude. And uh, he said, those guys have got federal ID cards. They've got international crimes enforcement badges on their chest. He said, they've got Slovenia stickers, and the reason they got Slovenia stickers, I'll, I'll discuss that in a minute. He said, those guys, Al, I'm into guns, and they're packing Makarov pistols. A Makarov pistol has a distinctive holster. He said, they're carrying Makarov pistols. And the National Guard Bureau come out with a letter in April 94, which said, they're going to have Ukrainians in California and Romanians in uh, Alabama. They're going to have Slovenians in Colorado. Well, sure enough, these guys are here now, and after four years, from 94 to 98, when the pistols came aboard, we find that they were spotted in Denver, Colorado, in Slovenia, with they got Slovenia sticker on the back, S-L-O-V, that's what the letter said, they were going to be stationed, so the Slovenian Partnership for Peace Troops, PFP they're called, are going to be stationed in Colorado, well, Denver's in Colorado. And this policeman saw the weapon and saw the guy's ID card when he pulled him over one time, evidently. And that's what we're facing. They are here. And there's many, many more of these guys. I can run through a bunch of other ones, too. The so-called retired military bases, that's where these guys are operating out of, correct? Well, that, well that's, that's some of the places. They've got lots of places. Uh, they're operate, they've got bivouac areas in the national parks. They've got FEMA bases uh, that are about 34 FEMA bases. One of them is about 20 miles by the way of the crow. If crow flies from here, it's a, it's a redoubt, R-E-D-O-U-B-T, redoubt, on top of a hill 
a mountain which is 1,820 feet above mean sea level. They're up there, and I can tell you a lot of stuff about that. I knew it was there. I was told about it, so I started digging around, and the people call it a war station. Well, there's 34 of those originally built in the United States. There's a generic no trespassing sign. It goes up this mountain road, and it overlooks the whole valley on both sides. It's got its it's a promontory, what a promontory they call it. I think it's how you pronounce it. And when you try to go up ginseng hunting up the backside of it, what you doing? Get out of here. If you go squirrel hunting, the same thing. Get out of here. If you go up in a taxi, like one guy did, what you doing? Get out of here. The machine gun aimed at you. Fabio went up there looking for property, and they said, what you doing? Get out of here. The sheriff was chased down, the sheriff in Orange County was chased down by a, a Cobra gunship because he badmouthed the United Nations on a radio. And two weeks later, the chopper comes down and flew circles around him, and uh, we saw it, it took off from Peter's Mountain. So we knew that it was involved, that FEMA was involved. The, back, the black operations part of FEMA, that is, code word secret operations against the American people were operating out of that base because they went after the sheriff. And that's another story we could talk about. Why would, they, why would they go after the sheriff? Because he badmouthed them on the radio for two hours. But wouldn't they, I mean, most people would think that they would probably just slough him off, but they actually went after this guy. They weren't playing that was games. was an intimidation flight, brother. Oh. Just like the fourth choppers that thundered over my house and the Lord spoke the next morning and said there's a rumor come from the Lord an ambassador is sent into the land of the heathen let us rise up against her in battle Obadiah verse 1 it's an intimidation flight and they went after him to, hey you better shut your mouth well I'll tell you what happened I called the Pentagon and I said hey we had a chopper went out and put the nose on the sheriff went around three times in a circle like a pinwheel I said it was a Cobra gunship and this Colonel Inkle said, what was the registration number? I said, there was no registration number. I said, it doesn't have any. A law enforcement officer looks for the registration number. Didn't have one. He said, it's not ours. I said, yeah, I know that. I know that. I said, I'm just calling you and asking about it. I said, by the way, what about the maneuver where he put the nose down and went around like a pinwheel three times? He said, we don't do that maneuver. That is not a rotary wing maneuver in U.S. tactical rotary wing doctrine. Okay? That means it's a foreign maneuver. It's not talked to our helicopter pilots. Just like the chopper down there had whistles that blew when the men redeployed on the helicopter, that was foreigners too. And then when he got home, he found out that the chopper had come and hovered over his house and scared his three kids, okay? It was seen with binoculars flying off the top of the FEMA base. So I wrote state police commander a letter. I briefed him too. I briefed him in 1994, in April of that, of 94. This happened on on February 14th of 1995, when they went after the sheriff, I wrote him a letter, and I said, I told you about this stuff a year ago. You need to, you need to tell somebody about this. So he did. He, he got a hold of the FBI in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he said, hey, what happened to that, my buddy, my sheriff buddy over there, and that chopper went around him and tried to scare him. What's going on? So I got a, I got a call about three weeks later from my sheriff, and he says, hey, the FBI wants to talk to you. I says, yeah, what about? Well, about that helicopter. Over in Orange, I said, okay. Well, there was an FBI agent called me. His name was Tom Carter, special agent from Fredericksburg, Virginia. He said, Ms. Covert, you know about the helicopter? I said, yeah, I know about it. I can tell you all about it and where they're coming from. I know where they're flying from, and I can tell you what they're doing. Okay, I want to get the appointment to come see you. Well, guess what? He didn't call back. The chain of command found out that he was trying to investigate a black helicopter, right? And he got the word, put it in the end basket, and don't touch it again. That's why he didn't call me back. Because the shadow government operating, I can explain all that too. They put a word out to him: "You get off of that chopper, leave it alone. That's none of your business." Well, about five years later, the sheriff who took over, the guy who was standing with the sheriff on the highway when this thing went around to both of them, he said, "Well, that was, I got told that was a hotshot army pilot that did that." You know, I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." I said, "I got a pilot's license." I said, "I'm a pilot myself." I said, no military major or a captain is going to pull a Cobra gunship with a minigun on the bottom and pull up on the sheriff, draw a bead on the sheriff, and fly three times around. First of all, it wasn't a U.S. maneuver in the first place. He's not going to do that and risk his career, risk getting court-martialed, risk getting busted out of the Army, doing something like that, 
flying in a circle. And besides that, it didn't have any identification on it. And I said, by the way, did the sheriff tell you about the boys getting scared? He said, well, no. I said, you didn't, you didn't tell you about the three boys getting scared to death when the chopper hovered over the house and tripped the shingles? Now you have. Now that's the story of it. Well, that's the story that happened. That, that happened. I can name people's names. I can name the names of the three boys. I can name the sheriff. I can name the deputy sheriff, who later became the sheriff. I can name his name. I can name his name. But sometimes it's dangerous to do that. And these guys, yeah. they're all operating. They're black operations, and they're operating right here on our soil. And this goes back years. We're not yeah. talking about some recent takeover. So, so many people... They've got this misconception right now, brother, and they think what has happened is that we've got Obama in the office, and now that Obama's in the office, we've got a new world order. And, and, you know, no, no, the, this thing started back when Reagan probably was not involved in it, but George Bush was the liberal wing of the Reagan ticket, George H.W. Bush, and he was part of the problem. He hates Israel, and Bill Clinton was got into office by Peru running twice and siphoning off 7% of the votes the first time, 3% of the votes the third, second time, and Clinton won twice with big money. And uh, then come along Bush, Bush number two. Folks, let me give you a layman's 911-101 physics lesson, okay? I went to Botech High School three hours a day for three years. I took auto mechanics, sheet metal, machine shop, foundry, welding. Then I was later on a welder's apprentice for the Navy for 10 months, and I was a machinist apprentice for three months, and then I went into the Army and didn't follow that career at all. Thank the Lord for that. But uh, jet fuel, kerosene, gasoline, and diesel fuel burn from five, 460 to 560 Celsius. I talked to a 747 captain. He says the jet fuel will burn at 600 degrees Celsius in the engine of a Bratton Whitney engine or a GE Gen X8 engine that are supplied for Boeing aircraft. Okay, the maximum temperature on planet Earth that kerosene can burn is 600 degrees Celsius. The towers collapsed supposedly because the fuel got hot, melted the steel beams, and everything collapsed in New York City. Okay, now that's a lie, but I'm going to put it to rest real quick here. Chrome molybdenum alloy steel, you put chrome molybdenum alloy in steel, and I'm a metallurgist, I knew about all that stuff, I was trained on it, it melts at 1,600 degrees, not counting the insulation on the beams that were in the towers in New York. That is 16, that is 1,000 degrees from the max temperature that jet fuel can burn in an aircraft engine to the melting point of chrome molybdenum alloy steel. That's 1,000 degrees. Nothing melted that day by jet fuel. I just gave you folks out there a physics lesson, very simple layman's physics lesson. Now, if you drove your car today, you fed it gas. It had a steel engine. If not, it had a steel sleeves in the cylinders. It had steel piston rings. It's steel pistons, steel exhaust valves, steel intake valves, and steel valve seats. You fed it gasoline coming down the road. Did the engine melt? Well, nothing happened. George Bush Jr., nothing melted that day either, but he let that lie be told all across America, and they're still reinforcing that lie all the time, folks, they are lying to you. Tom Brokaw got on a TV on uh, about 96 and said there were 25 tons of high nitrate fertilizer stolen from Brewston Mills, West Virginia. Oh, my goodness, fertilizer. Oh, well, somebody blow the whole world up for fertilizer. Well, I went out to Brewston Mills, West Virginia with my three federal ID cards, and I asked two, two people in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established? I said, what about the fertilizer that was stolen here three months ago? wasn't any fertilizer stolen here, Mr. Cuppett. Uh, I had two people tell me, one up front, one in the back. It was a bookkeeping error. It was pulled to the police came. FBI came. Janet Reno, Lewis Free, FBI director, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Tom Brokaw told the whole world that 25 tons of high-grade nitrate fertilizer was floating around the United States. Didn't happen. Now, General Ben Parton testified at the second grand jury in Oklahoma, General Ben Parton, General Benton K. Parton, was the directed energy weapons inspector and designer for the Department of Defense during his career. He went to the second grand jury in Oklahoma, which you didn't hear about, and he told them an ANFO bomb, that's ammonium nitrate fuel oil bomb, will not 
cut reinforced concrete past 23 feet. It's impossible by the laws of physics that the Lord God himself created. The truck bomb, according to the newscast and the government's testimony, was 35 feet from the building. There was no way that reinforced concrete rods uh, could be cut inside of concrete pillars with a fertilizer bomb. didn't happen that way. It did not happen that way, folks. And you see the mayor of the city of Oklahoma saying, we just found two more bombs in the building. We're bringing them out right now. There were six pillars in the building. They put four bombs on four pillars and two bombs on the other two pillars. The four, the four satchel charges went off, cut the pillars down. If the other two had gone off, the two they brought out, if those two had gone off, the entire building would have collapsed. But no fertilizer that day cut any reinforced concrete on the uh, 19th day of April of 1995, which was two years after Waco. And I can tell about, I can tell you about Waco too. That was burned down by Partnership for Peace Tubes out of Task Force 6, Fort Hood, Texas. Got a friend of mine who shoots long distance. I'm not saying he's a friend. I just, he's an acquaintance and I run information by all the time. He was up at Quantico shooting on the KD range. That's called a known distance range in July of 1993, two months after Waco. He asked an FBI agent who was also shooting on the range together. He said, what did you guys do at Waco? He said, what do you mean? We didn't do that. He said, the hostage rescue team and the BATF were backed off on the 49th day by Janet Reno. And somebody came in with tanks and guns and burned that place down. It, it wasn't us. And I could tell you all about that, too. But they were trying to demonize guns and Bibles. And Koresh had Bibles and Koresh had guns. And that's where the spiritual power comes from. One, the King James Bible. Or two, physical power comes out of a gun barrel. So... You know, they've already wiped out the churches with these perverted versions of the Bible. Now all they've got to do is get our weapons and then get the weapons of the, of the, of the citizens and they've got, we're taken over. We are taken over. And they're going to, they're drumming up a martial law scenario with the race issue you see cooking right now. Uh, Brother Dudeman said in 1980 when he come here, he said the communists are going to rise up against the government in the Midwest and start a civil war. Brother Bob told me about two years ago with the Trayvon Martin thing, he said they're going to use this race issue to stir up a civil war in the United States. And so that's what's happening. They're going to start a civil war, and they've got U.N. troops to pull it off, to pull off the martial law. How can that happen? I'll tell you how it can happen. Back four years ago, there was a, a demonstration in Seattle of the G8, I think it was, having a banker meeting, and they were out there, and a bunch of these demonstrators came out there for whatever reason, and a couple of them got beat up. Now, the, the, the police chief sent out the guys in the black uniforms and the SWAT gear. You don't know who's behind that SWAT gear. There's no, there's no identification on those uniforms, no stripe on the pants, there's no patch on the shoulder, there's no badge on the front of the chest. So you don't know who's behind the black mask and those masks and those, those helmets. Well, somebody come out there and beat up two of the civilian, two of the demonstrators and bloodied them pretty good. And who it was? It was the foreign cops. So the police chief called them all in the next day and said, all right, all right, who, who beat up on them two civilians? And none of his men would answer because they didn't do it. Well, who do you think did it, brother? The foreign police, the secret right. police. That's who did it. And they just come up there, beat up on them on the periphery of the confrontation and drove off. So they're so implants. The people, the people thought that the American cops did it, okay? Now, this is what's going to happen. One day, we're going to have a big demonstration. Somebody used to, they're, going to be a, they're going to have a big demonstration, and the police are going to come out in their SWAT gear, and they're going to have a real tough demonstration going on. And some of these foreign cops will drive up in their black Chevy Tahoe with their U.S. plates on the car. They'll kill a couple of these demonstrators. A couple of black demonstrators will be shot, and they'll drive off. And the next day, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to get blamed on the local police. That's right. And then they're going to blame the cops for shooting them, and it's going to be a civil war, because the next time the demonstrators come back, they're going to be armed. Okay? So now they're going to bring this race issue in, the, in the, and Brother Bob said it. He said they're going to start a race war, and it's now cooking as we are speaking on this line right now, the New World Order is planning to start a race war and this thing has got to the point where they've got enough troops in place, they've got enough foreign cops in place that they can control this country if they can get the guns outlawed. 
one of the things that really stuck out is I remember back in 2008, there were some some talking heads on the news. And, and, and I'm like you, I'll, I'll compare different reports from different different uh, right. perspectives. And we really that, that's the only thing you can do with mainstream media. You have to kind of see what everyone's saying and try to make the most sense of it because they're just it's propaganda from every flavor. Um, And they were talking about these analysts. And again, they're just they're just people, but they're analysts and they're trained in analyzing whatever that means. (laughs) But they said that they were anticipating Obama was going to be in office for two terms. And and this is back on the first term, folks. And they said we're anticipating Obama to be in office two terms. And then I believe it was by 2016, they anticipated that the the United States was going to be divided into four regions basically many countries inside of the US uh, yep. or unions and they believe that it was going there's going to be civil wars breaking out by 2016 well, it's, planned, it's planned that way there's 10 theme regions and that's illegal also you can't break the United States up into anything but states according to the constitution and they've broken it up into six army groups they've broken it up into uh, um, 10 theme regions even Virginia has 10 regions uh, 10 regions in Virginia it's done under the metric system that's why they want to they wanted to get us into the metric system because these foreigners here don't want to have to convert uh, kilograms to pounds nor uh, uh, kilos to uh, to quarts and gallons. <laughs> so the biggest, uh, what we're seeing here, the idea of the race war, and really it, this isn't just an idea or this isn't a theory. We're actually seeing this happen. Most people right. were, you know, we even saw the riots, the, the buildings getting set on fire. I mean, just all yeah. kinds of stuff. And Well, it's ordo, it's ordo obkeo. That's the, that's the Latin phrase. Um, out of chaos will come a new order, and the order is going to be their order, and it's, the chaos is going to be created by them. Now, they obviously didn't choreograph Trayvon Martin being shot by George Zimmerman, but they used it. As soon as it popped up, they used it. They're very clever. Now, let me explain something. Heinrich Mueller was the Gestapo chief. And if you guys watch I Am versus the New World Order, I, I delineate this very carefully so you can see the whole picture. And I've used portions of it here tonight already. Several portions of that uh, monologue that I put on there with, with the facts. But uh, what happens is Mueller was escaped. He was a Gestapo head. And I read I, I Am an Ace on World War II and the Third Reich. And I'm pretty sharp on the Bible, too, you're going to find out. Uh, I make no apology. I'm probably the greatest expert on perverted Bibles that going around the country. I'm probably the best expert on it in the United States today. But uh, this Mueller escaped and went to Switzerland. He got on about the 25th day of April. He took off in a storch with his pilot and a motorcycle with a whole plane load of, of uh, Swiss gold Swiss francs. They stole it from the Jews. They landed in, in the Austrian border, went into Switzerland, and he was being interviewed by one of Wild Bill Donovan's OSS agents in 1947. That's who founded the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, forerunner to the CIA. He says, Mueller told the agent, he says, I can bring about a coup in the United States. He says, you can't do that. We don't have a controlled press like you did with Joseph, Joseph Goebbels, and that's how it's pronounced, Goebbels. He speaks a good Deutsch. I speak five languages, folks. I didn't tell you that. But uh, he said, yeah, I can do that. He says, let me ask you. He says, well, how many news services do you have in America? Well, about six. Well, what if all the news services in one city? Well, four of them in New York. Maybe five in New York, in one city block. So it's not hard to control the news. And we just found out that Tom Brokaw was controlling when he talked about the stolen fertilizer, that was controlled, okay? So the news is controlled. And if I show two state troopers that regional police car that was in York, Pennsylvania, one of them will say, yeah, what is that? Yeah, what's that? So I start to tell them, and well, I don't believe that. One of them will start to walk off. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you belong to the fraternal order of police. And the other trooper said, yeah, he's the president in our area. And he says, we vote one way and he does another way. So I got out of the organization. That's because the FOP has got some people up there who are running, who are hooked up in this thing and they're feeding the police. If, if, a, if a guy like myself with 31 year service tries to tell a policeman about 
the foreign cops, the ones from the FOP, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. And he don't believe it because he's been told, he's been forewarned, and he's been propagandized, okay? And the other troopers say, yeah, well, he's, I said, well, go on, tell me, what is that, what is that black police, what is that regional police car? He'll tell you, he'll ask me, and I'll tell him. But the one guy ain't going to listen because he's been brainwashed. You see, that's how they do it. Because the source of information that comes out of the television set is the same source of information that comes to the military officers in the Pentagon from the, de sec the Secretary of Defense, who's in on it, okay, in on the whole deal. So he has two data streams of information, one from the television set, from the newspaper, which is always identical, and he's got a professional journal which comes down from his uh, organization, his military department, whatever, and it matches what he sees on TV. So he believes that's the gospel truth. But it's not the gospel truth. Rush Limbaugh is only telling us 80% of the truth. Mark Levin, Gordon Liddy, and Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck, Michael Savage. Now, Savage is probably the best one as far as the guys out there. He's really upset about this stuff. But the 20% that'll kill you, the foreign cops and the foreign troops and the Makarov pistols, and the Cobra gunships and all that, they don't tell you about that. So they're not, you're not going to learn about that from them. But they're really not doing us any favors because they're not telling us the whole truth. Now, we asked Gordon Liddy back in 1994 in Richmond, Virginia. I was standing there and my buddy asked him, and my buddy's on the blue list, by the way, that guy that asked Gordon Liddy this question. He says, Mr. Liddy, why don't you tell American people on your program about this conspiracy? And he says, if I tell them there's a conspiracy... He says, you know there's one, and I know there's one. If I tell them, they'll kill me. You see? So that's the problem we got. And they're not. And the people are believing that Limbaugh and these guys are all the epitome of truth, and they're not. They are actually, there is more truth out there, and we just, we're, we're discussing it tonight, that Limbaugh won't touch. And this is the problem they've got. They refuse to take any phone calls about conspiracy theories, and... None of them. They screen anybody out as a nut. And it's, this is how it's going, folks. And I'm telling you, this is what's happening. And this is what the talk show hosts are not telling you. What you're hearing tonight is what the talk show hosts are not telling you. It's okay. all scripted. We're, we're seeing a total scripted plan of the New World yep. Order. And it's right. being followed to a T. I mean, these things are falling in place every day. And, and, and I think the reason I wanted to start off tonight talking about the secret police because I th and they're exactly that, folks. I mean, they're secret police for a reason. Because they're secret. They're they're right. literally they'll come in, they'll implant themselves into a situation, and like uh, Brother Al said, they'll be wearing the full suits and masks. Nobody knows what's going on. They don't know who they are. They're just coming in. Their uh, their their implants. But they yeah. they've been building this empire of secret police for years and years, yeah. so that when everything gets to that boiling point. The United Nations has their foreign troops, part of the whole, the, the, the official New World Order. They're here on the United States soil, ready to go. Right. I was at, I was at the airport, oh, shucks, about, oh, it must have been eight years ago, nine years ago. Here's these German airbuses out there, white airbuses with Luftwaffe, just like the same spelling in German, the German Luftwaffe in World War II. I saw 200 German soldiers sitting there in their Flectar camo uniforms and their backpacks. They did not have weapons, of course. And there were two German officers in civilian clothes, and I was talking to them, because, I, I mean, I'm a talker. That's how I learned the five languages. And I said, hey, you guys doing okay here, huh? Yeah, you're here for training, right? He says, oh, you speak good German. I says, no, no. I said, uh, I don't speak good German. I says, you speak a Deutsch, but you speak English. I speak in German. I speak German, but I think in English, and that—that's. Uh, they understand me, but I get—I get the conjugation of the verb backwards and so forth. And he said, "You do good, pretty good as well. Not really good, but enough. Good enough." I said, "By the way, you're here for training, right?" "Yeah, yeah, that's just correct." "Correct." I said, "Yeah." I said, "And you're here also to see if Americans will serve under German command, aren't you?" "Yep." He wouldn't talk to me. Oh. And I said, "You're also here for urban." pacification operations. He wouldn't talk to me anymore. He stopped talking. He refused to talk anymore. I said, ah, ich verstehe. Alles. Good dog, mein Herr. I understand it all. Good day, sir. And I give him a salute and walked off. <laughs> now that, you, you just mentioned something, and I want to make sure that I'm understanding properly. What you just referred to 
is the the urban warfare drills. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. That's right. That's you, take the guns. Well, there's six things under this uh, under this uh, Operation Cooperative Osprey they had down there. Um, it was uh, roadblocks. One thing they were going to practice these foreign troops at, at Camp of June. They were going to talk. Uh, going buildings and building the building and stuff like that. They're going to be weapons collection, all this stuff. They were practicing it down at Camp June, way back in 98. Cooperative Osprey, it was called. There are six funding programs for the foreign cops. One is Cops on the Street, which Mr. Joe Biden uh, put through Congress with 150,000 cops. Then there was uh, Community Police, and then there was Project Harmony. Then there was uh, Jack Connery was arguing with Rand Paul and in uh, Kentucky in 2010, I think it was. And he said, uh, well, one-third of that uh, Obama stimulus bill is, got, is for police. And then what got old uh, David Gregory fired, the coup that brought him down, oh, it wasn't the coup that brought him down, he asked Lawrence Summers, Obama's economic czar, uh, he said, what are you doing with police money in these mortgage bailout bill. And the guy says, oh, well, well, you got to take care of the cops. What he's not telling you is they're, they're not American cops. That's the fourth program. The fifth one was the stimulus bill. And then there's Obama jobs bill had also one third of it. One third of it was for police. So, well, it's okay. We guess we've got to pay for some cops. No, it's not American cops. It's not American cops. Project Harmony was you look at straight, um, I got a video called uh, Black Operations and Prophecy. I show a picture of this Project Harmony cop with a Russian uniform on in North Carolina directing traffic. What's he doing here? Well, he's here. And guess what? He's got a gun. And what, guess what? When I was out in Phoenix, cop walked up to me and said, Al, we got 12 cop, Russian cops on the Phoenix police force here, and we don't like them, but we can't run about it. And they murdered Caroline, Caroline Goatbaum was murdered at Sky Harbor Airport back in 2007 in October. They murdered her in the, in the detention center in the, in the uh, airport. Look, folks, there's detention centers, detention cells now in these airports. Right now, these major international airports. This thing is big, folks. I mean, we're just scratching the surface here tonight. This thing is big. These guys are operational right now. And they're being placed in different – they pretty much go and do whatever they're told – they don't, you know, they're not under the authority of the Constitution because they're secret foreign police. They've had a different No, upbringing. they don't believe like we do. They don't believe in having two cars. They don't believe in having weapons. They don't believe in having Bibles. They don't believe in having nice television sets. They don't, they weren't raised that way because they were, they were raised in a different environment than we were, especially the East Germans. The East Germans were taught to be nasty to us for 40 years. And these are the people who are shipped over here. Right. And they're being they're being put in place. They're basically United Nations police. Am, am I wrong on that? That's correct. You're right. Let me let, let me tell you. I got a buddy call from Brother Bob. He was up at the courthouse in 1997, maybe. And he's going into the courthouse to the metal detector. They got metal detectors now. You know, oh, it's terrorists. Somebody's going to hijack a courthouse. You know. Well, he's in there, and he notices three guys in uniform. The young guys. And they got uniforms on. And he says, uh, excuse me, where are you from? Well, is that a problem? Well, I want to know where you're from. Well, well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, where are you from? And the dude says, Kazakhstan. I said, uh-oh. I said, you saw three of them? Yeah. I said, okay, I got it. I'll run it. So I called the courthouse. Uh, most of you out there listening, <clears throat> You know that the county sheriff usually controls the security at the courthouse. Well, that's how it is in my county. That's how it is in Orange County. That's how it is in Green County. So I called the sheriff's department and I said, hey, um, I'm Al Cuffin. I'm a child in the Pentagon. Are you guys guarding the courthouse and providing security for the courthouse? He said, no. I said, well, who is? He said, well, we got a civilian concern does that. I said, you mean the sheriff's department is not in Fairfax County, Virginia? Now, this is back in 97. Whether they've got to go into damage control mode and put sheriff's deputies back in there, I don't know. But at that point in time, I'm telling you what happened. Because sometimes when they get caught, they go into damage control mode and they go back, they change everything on you. 
So I said, well, have you got the guy in charge? I want to talk to him. He said, yeah, here's the number. So I called this number. And, Hello, this is Copeland so-and-so. I said, hey, I said, where are you from? I speak five languages, folks, and I can tell when I hear one of these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm Corporal Sozo from Afghanistan. I said, Afghanistan? Now, folks, one thing the military taught me was a sergeant outranks a corporal, okay? And so I said, well, excuse me, do you have an American sergeant? Yes, we have one. Okay, well, give me his number. I got his number. I called him up. Yeah, hello. I said, this is Al Cuppet, Sarge. Uh, I want to talk to you about courthouse security. You're pulling courthouse security? Yeah, we're doing it. I says, what's the deal? Well, it's MVM security. MVM, Mike, Victor, Mike. MVM security is pulling courthouse duty on the courthouse. I said, well, are they Kazakhstanis? He says, yeah. I said, well, how'd you get them? Well, we put out a job announcement. I said, how much you pay them? I can't tell you that. I said, well, you put out a job announcement to get them hired? Yeah. I said, you put out a job announcement and 75 Kazakhstanis showed up. He says, do you think it's a security problem? I says, I know it's a security problem, man. They're foreigners. He says, well, we did a background investigation on them, a background check. I said, you did a BI. That's what it was called, a BI. It used to be done by the Defense Intelligence Service, DIS. I don't know who does it now since Clinton came to power. Who knows what's going on up there? I said, you did a B.I. on a guy, huh? I said, what'd you do? Call his mullah, his imam in Afghanistan or Kazakhstan and talk to him? (laughs) (laughs) So we got a problem. And if you go to the Udvar-Hazy Space and Aircraft and Space Museum up by Dulles, Udvar-Hazy it's called, you will find American guys in security uniforms and they have MVM security on their shoulder patches. But they're Americans. Those guys are Americans. Now, these guys at the courthouse were exercising dominion over American citizens. I do not know if they were armed or not, but they were exercising dominion over American citizens going through that metal detector. Hear me now, folks. We supposedly fought a Cold War for 40 or 50 years to keep this from happening the Soviet republics from exercising dominion over our citizens. That's why we fought the Cold War. And now here they are at the Fairfax County Courthouse exercising dominion over United States citizens. But when he, the answer that he gave you, it, it was so scripted. It was it, for him to come out and say we put out a job um, announcement. He put it out, but the, the New World Order operatives are the ones who sent their guys to answer it. It was just all perfectly lined, ready to go. It was lined up. It was all lined up. It's choreographed, right? <sighs> this is unbelievable. Now, now we are running out of time, but I, I want to just okay. I want to say one thing real quick and get your take on this. Before we quit, I want to pray for the listeners, okay? But go ahead. Amen. Absolutely. All the talk tonight about the secret police. Now, we know that they're all over the place. They're literally yeah, they all over. They're in the retired military bases. They've got other places set up. Uh, high, high security places with, with full auto machine guns where they're telling people to, to get out of here. You can't come around here. Um, right. With a normal police officer, they have what's called jurisdiction. And that means they that... They don't, they don't have jurisdiction if these guys get federal ID cards and they got them. And the state trooper tried to stop one out here and he, he got mad and angry. What are you stopping me for? You can't stop me. I got a federal ID card. He says, I stopped many out there going 75 and at 55 miles zone. So they have open jurisdiction. Yeah, they they can. They got federal ID cards and they got federal plates on their cars sometimes. And you also made a comment earlier about uh, one of the vans having yeah, diplomatic, diplomatic plate. plate. This this guy's over here in our country breaking the law, doing all these horrible things, but he's got diplomatic immunity. Right, that's right, and that's uh, that's that's what they've done. They got diplomatic plates on it. Right. It, it's on unbelievable. That on that particular police officer out in Denver, Colorado. Uh, he had diplomatic plates. Honorary pro counsel. I said, honorary pro counsel. Look up pro counsel. It's bad news. So these people, they're over here. Our tax dollars are paying for this, literally. Right. And it's it's money getting funneled out of all these big government projects and programs. Right. They got six programs with the, with the funding in it. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I got it. It's on the website. You can look at the website and go down on the letters and you'll see a place where it has that, where it has, has the as the, the foreign cop log is on the website, alcuppet.com. Yeah. Now, real quick, and we're, we're going to close out with a prayer here in a second, but uh, I want to let everyone know that Brother Al has made some great videos. He's made reference to them up on YouTube. They're all right. over the Internet. You know, Al Cuppet, his, his experience, folks, he, he has seen these things come to pass. He's been a man who has served this country, and he's seen the New World Order 
shadow government start to surface. And I'm so excited about this new series we're going to be doing, the New World Order Archives. And I call it Archives because we're going back and we're taking things off the shelf. We're taking things off the shelf from history in our lifetime, in our parents' lifetime, and we're bringing these things back out into spotlights because most people don't know some of these things. That's right. So, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for being on the fourth watch tonight, Brother Al. It's a Good name. Good name for a program. That's a good name for a program. You know, we, uh, we really, the show, uh, we want to encourage everybody. Put their faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So with that, Brother Al, uh, if you could close us out with a word of prayer, I would be honored. Heavenly Father, we pause to close this prayer session out and this session out, Lord, with this prayer. We ask you to be with these listeners tonight, Lord. Be with our producer. Be with the network, Lord. Watch over them and keep them until the next time we meet again. And Lord, if we wouldn't meet them on this side, we'll meet them on the other side. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Shalom, shalom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So here we are. At the dawning of a new year. For some people, this might be a fearful time as they worry of things that may come their way this new year. For others, it arrives with excitement about what the possibilities the new year may bring. And there may be some that are just neutral on the matter. But tonight I want to encourage everyone to take a special view of this new year and to allow this to be a fresh opportunity to set your sights and goals on a spirit-filled year that will not only benefit you, but most importantly, will honor Christ and will produce real spiritual growth. Some of you listening may have had a fantastic year. The last 12 months may have just been spectacular. While others listening may have suffered much loss and struggle this year. The truth is, we can never predict what the future holds. I've learned to take the Lord willing approach. Let me explain. So many people will set all of these so-called New Year's resolutions and they'll make all kinds of bold claims declaring that this new year, this is going to be the year that they will do this and they will do that. They will go here. They will go there. But the sad thing about that mentality is that it's a form of prideful boasting. Now, let me make my case. I want to take you to the book of James, chapter 4. In verses 14 through 16, we see scripture that paints a pretty clear picture of this type of scenario. Starting in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. For that, you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now, you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So, we must not declare earthly accomplishments in our New Year's resolutions, as most people fail to fulfill them, as they don't know what tomorrow holds. And the fact is, as followers of Yeshua, we must say that if the Lord wills it, we shall do these things and anything more is considered earthly boastings. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals and working hard to achieve those goals, but be careful not to be boastful or prideful in making any of these claims. But now I want to talk about the ultimate declaration for a new year that isn't boasting at all, but it's rather going to be the best thing you can set your eyes upon for the new year. And in effect, it should encourage you to take a spiritual approach to a new year of new beginnings, a chance to live right and clean up your spiritual life and to grow closer to God. Most of you listening right now are familiar with Job. He was a man of God who was tormented by the devil. He seems to have lost everything of importance to him, all in the mix. The Lord even allowed this all to take place, knowing that Job was strong in faith. The devil really took Job for a series of trials, attacking his earthly situations and even his accommodations. He's an example of faithfulness as he loses everything yet remains faithful to God. This historical account truly illustrates God's sovereignty and faithfulness during a time of great suffering. It also shows how a person continues to trust in God, even in the face of seemingly irrational suffering and evil. Even when his peers gave him bad advice that was clearly against God, Job remained faithful. But the part of the story that I want to bring to your attention is the ending. This is so rich and so encouraging, and it's often overlooked. Job chapter 42, verses 16 through 17, tells us that after this, after all the trials, after all these things that had come upon Job, it says, after this, lived Job 140 years, and saw his sons, and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died, being old and full of days. Now, let me break this down. This is so powerful. After everything horrific that had come upon Job, He lived yet another 140 years of fulfillment. 
And it says that he even got to enjoy his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandsons, and wait for this, even his great-great-grandsons. Four blessed generations. He got to enjoy all of this. And then he went on to be with the Lord, having lived an extremely fulfilled life. So Job's life ends on a note of contentment and peace. And God had greatly blessed him through all of this. After all of the things that went on, he had a new beginning. That's the point. Now, before us stretches a new year, a new beginning. The old is past, put away forever. And God invites us always to forget about all the distrust, all the fears, all the anxieties of the past, all the resentments we have been holding against others, all the grudges, all the criticisms. Put them all away and begin again with our focus on Christ and His completed work on the cross. So the question that hovers over us as we close out an old year and begin anew, what basis are we going to live in this new year? Will it be on the old basis of it all depends on me and my needs? Or will you accept the gift of God that's waiting for you every day, fresh from His hand, a gift of forgiveness, of righteousness, already ours through Christ, of a relationship in which He is our dear Father, and we are His cherished, beloved children, in which He has provided for us all that we need, all day long, so that you can say no to evil and yes to truth. Will it be on that basis? If it is, this will be a year in which your life will be characterized by peace and true inner joy. Or if we insist on living it on the same old basis, we'll find ourselves like the friends of Job, arousing the anger and the wrath of God. So those are the choices we have before us as followers of Christ. It's going to be easier if we go ahead and focus on following Christ, trusting Him, accepting His blessings, accepting His provisions, keeping our focus on things spiritual. So the question to you, how are you going to live this new year? I am so thankful for this new year that lies before us, friends. I want to choose Christ this year. I want to choose to depend on God, to trust God and accept Him, and accept from His hand all that He would give me. It's interesting as we get to the book of James, that James refers back to Job in chapter 5, verse 11. And he says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and you have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Interestingly, we see the word pitiful here as a description of God. Now, the word pitiful in the King James Bible is from the archaic definition, which means compassionate, showing much pity towards us. So he is sovereign. He is answering to no one. But at the same time, he is very much full of compassion and mercy towards us. As we close, I just want to take you out with Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And this really sums it all up, folks. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Everything you need, friends, your food, your provisions, your income, your housing, everything, all the things you need will be added unto you if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you seek first his righteousness. So this new year, let's seek him first. Let us enter into his compassion. Let us enter into his mercy as we focus on trusting him and on honoring him through a lifestyle of faith that honors Christ. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted his holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds. So we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. 
Yahweh is a jealous God, but he's also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, he's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. That's the number four, T H W A T C H R A D I O. B L O G S P O T. dot com. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words "older posts" to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network. On Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.